Hey, I hope you're having a wonderful day. You're listening to episode 188 and today we're chatting about diet noise, what you should and shouldn't have, you know, when we're like, you should have this, you shouldn't have this, good food, bad food, bah, I'm going crazy. You know what I'm talking about. What to do when you hate exercise, (laughs) how to set movement goals from a place of love and so, so much more. We chatted about the Downward Dog app. This is a yoga app I've been using for many, many moons. You can find out more by going to ketodietpodcast.com. Just look for episode 188 and I'll include all the links on that page. If our conversation today has you like really inspired and you want to go even deeper and you're just like ready to be done with all this BS, head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash whole. That's W-H-O-L-E. Check it out see if it resonates. I have a feeling it will. Okay. I have two awesome things. In episode 187, I let you know that I'm now doing these little mini workshops that really have nothing to do with keto, but everything to do with keto. (laughs) So our first workshop was a self-expression workshop where I guided women through how to be self-aware, which is a big one, how to perform self-care, and way more than bubble baths and doing your nails, and how to express yourself in a balanced way. We work through a lot of shame patterns, guilt patterns, forgiveness, really just understanding the cues your body is sending you, your emotions are sending you, and how to care for yourself before anyone else. And I find that this work, the mental, spiritual work, a lot of us haven't done, and we're mainly focused on our physical well-being and not our mental and spiritual well-being. And without that mental and spiritual well-being or focusing on that, we'll never truly be able to get a handle on our physical health. And this came to fruition for me in March of 2019, where I just like, I hit a wall and I couldn't go beyond it. And in a couple podcast episodes, I'm planning to get more into it. But for now, it was just a hot mess. I didn't feel good. I wasn't lit up. Kevin and I were not having sex. I was not happy. I was, I just, keto had been so good to me up until that point and it's transformed my life. But there were still a lot of things that I was starting to realize just weren't clicking for me. And so I started doing a bunch of things. Many of you have said, like, what are you doing? I want to know your secrets. So I put that all together in a workshop that you can now purchase at any time by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash workshop one. And I'm working on a empowered woman workshop that's available right now. You can head to healthfulpursuit.com slash workshop two. Now, this is all focused on how to be an empowered woman. The first class went live a couple of days ago, which means as soon as you sign up, you're going to get the recording and then you'll get the following recording the next week and the following recording the next week and so on and so forth. So it's three weeks long. And at the end of the three weeks, you will have gotten three weekly videos, meditation, integration works that you integrate the lessons. And then at the end of it, September 28th, 2019, we're going to meet up online and just go through our journal questions and totally interact and just have an interactive woman conversation. We're going to meditate together. It's just going to be great. So if you're listening to this before or after September 28th, it's always going to be available. Feel free to jump on your ticket now at healthfulpursuit.com slash workshop two, and you can join all the ladies that are doing this work right now.
Our guest today is Brooke Joanna Benlefer, who is a Cornell University graduate, a registered dietitian, an ACE certified personal trainer, and a youth fitness specialist. Her private practice focuses on an integrative and holistic approach to wellness. She helps clients find balance and become nourished, strong, and joyful so that they can show up and be fully present in their own lives. Okay, let's just do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, The Keto Diet Cookbook, Keto for Women, and the writer behind the site, healthfulpursuit.com. As a woman, you already know exactly how hard it can be to lose weight, stay in shape, and make the best of your diet. I've put together a free 21-page guide exclusive to podcast listeners that shows you why imbalanced hormones are generally at the core of all struggles that women face when it comes to our weight and our overall health. Go to ketoforwomen.com for your free guide. In this free 21-page guide called Managing Hormone Imbalances for the Keto Lady, I share tips that will help you find success in adjusting your keto to fit your lady body. First, I'll provide five tips to help you stay focused as a keto lady. And lastly, we will review the top hormone imbalances that affect women, signs you may have a hormone imbalance, and actions you can take right now to achieve hormone balance. You can get your free 21-page guide at ketoforwomen.com. And thank you so much for listening today. Hey, Brooke. How's it going? Wonderful, Leanne. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I'm so happy to have you here. I like to ask every guest before we get started this one question, and that is, what does keto mean to you? For me, it's a lower carbohydrate eating approach with plenty of healthy fats. I like to personally have quite a bit of protein as well. And I, I find that my meals tend to be much more satisfying and delicious than when I was following a lower fat eating approach. And what have you noticed with your, so it sounds like you ate a certain way before and then you found keto. What are some of the changes that you've noticed in yourself? I just find that I need less volume, I guess, to be satisfied. I mean, I uh, growing up, you know, it was definitely the high carbohydrate, low fat approach for years and years and years and years and eating, you know, plain raw vegetables without any fat. And, you know, same thing with salads with light dressing. And that was just what everyone seemed to do, you know, plain bagels, fat-free cream cheese, that kind of thing. And now when I think about that, it just sounds so unappetizing. And I find that, you know, when you eat things that you really want to eat, you are satisfied more quickly. So it doesn't become an issue of kind of eating around what you really want to eat in the first place. And that's what I find with a lot of my clients too, is that if they're eating foods that they feel like they should eat, but they don't really enjoy, then they end up oftentimes eating way more than they intended to. Yes. Oh my gosh. Do I, I have like, I have like a PhD in that. <laughs> it's, well, and, it's, and it's normal. I think it's a natural physiological response when we don't give our bodies what we actually need and crave. You know, um, there was a blogger way, way back in the day. I can't even remember her name. She posted something. Uh, Instagram wasn't a thing back then. I think it was just on her blog. And she said, the day I realized that I could eat all my favorite foods on my plate first was a good day for me. Yes. And I never, I never understood that. But when I, when I prepare, you know, when you prepare a meal and you're sitting down at your plate, you always pick at the things you don't like 
first so that you can get to the stuff you do like. And you always get to the stuff you, you do like, but I find if I just focus on the things that I do like and finish those first, I rarely eat the things I don't like and I end up eating better overall. Would that be fair? Oh, completely fair. And I, you know, I, I find now that I kind of go on a meal to meal basis and I just, I tend to shop for our family for the week and I usually just go, you know, think moment to moment, okay, what is it that I'm actually wanting right now? And it's hard because sometimes your mind wants something different than what your body actually needs. So it's kind of finding that sweet spot where they meld together and you can actually create a meal, like you said, that's nourishing to your body. And that also makes you, you know, happy and feel good in the moment, but it gives you that long-term good feeling, you know, it's going to actually give you the micronutrients that you need. So it sounds like there's a little bit of intuition in there. Um, did you always have intuitive ability with your food? Would you call it intuition or is it something different? I think it's definitely intuition now. I think I ignored it for the better part of my life. I think that in my training, you know, there was so much emphasis on, I guess like portion sizes and serving sizes and all. And I, I never really followed that as a guideline per se, but I think that now I just, I kind of let all of that go because there's so much dogma in the world now and so much kind of noise from the outside. And you're constantly being barred with, this is what you should have. No, this is what you should have. And if you just take a step back and listen to yourself, a lot of times, you know, you know yourself better than anyone else or better than any program or book prescribes to you what to do. So I think when you can tap into that and it's, it's a learning process. And I mean, I'm, by no means perfect. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's a constant journey. There's no final destination because it's a moving target. You know, your needs are always changing, you know, especially as women. Oh, constantly changing. Like as soon as I think I figured it out, it ends up changing. Right. Right. Kind of throws you a little curveball. (laughs) Keeps you guessing. So how do you manage this within your practice of meeting with clients and encouraging them to be intuitive? Because like as a dietitian, I'm sure there's I went to dietetic school for one day and I realized I was more of a holistic girl. But when I went to the one class, it was very much like, this is how much you eat. This is how much fiber. This is how much, how do you manage all of that with taking more of an, uh, a mindful approach to your practice? Yeah. You know, I, I kind of use the scientific knowledge that I have for my training and then just combine that with what I've learned from experience. And over time, and I've worked with you know, I worked clinically in the hospital system for about seven years, um, I guess eight years if you conclude an internship. And that was with everyone from, you know, infants to people who were well over a hundred years old. And now working with clients one-on-one, I can kind of gauge where they're at. And I try to take baby steps. I mean, I used to try to go out with this kind of like, I'm going to save the world mission. But now I really try to meet people where they're at. Because if I go in and try to spearhead some approach that doesn't fit with their needs or their lifestyle, it's never going to work. And my point is really to have people be happy in their own body, be happy in their own life and feel like they have control over their, over their food choices. And I think the biggest thing that I notice is when people start to really nourish themselves and tap into that intuition, they feel more in control and every aspect of their life starts to kind of improve. And it's not just with food, right? Like I think no. you work a little bit with like joyful movement and things yes. like that as well. How does that work? What is joyful movement? I have a personal training background and you know, I think now what I encourage people to do is really find an activity that they love. And a lot of people will will say, you know, oh, I hate exercise. And I think sometimes that comes from growing up being forced or kind of coerced to 
to do, you know, one activity that maybe do karate or soccer or something that they didn't really ever enjoy, but they just felt like they needed to do, or someone told them that they were good at it, or someone told them that they should play basketball because they were tall, you know, and, and so they've equated exercise with something that's kind of dreadful, or they just have to get through it, or they force themselves to do it on a daily basis because they feel like it's, you know, going to keep their weight down. So I try to let people know, you know, go out and try a few different things. Or if the gym isn't the right environment for you, go find a hiking trail or just be outside of nature a little bit, or, you know, get a yoga app on your phone for free and try something that, that just feels good to you. And it might take some time. I mean, it's not an instant process. And sometimes when you try something for the first time, you don't think you, you like it because you're not good at it yet, but over time it becomes, you know, more natural and then you actually gravitate towards it. And again, I think that changes over time. So a lot of people might start out having run marathons and then it's like five years later that just doesn't fit with their lifestyle they'd rather lift weights and feel kind of empowered and self-confident in that way Mm, yes my favorite medit or not meditation well I have a favorite meditation app but my favorite yoga app have you heard of down dog I heard you talk about it oh it is so good oh okay it's so good. You can create your own playlist and the instructions are really, really good. And they're good enough. Like you, if you're a beginner, you can have them say everything to you, but if you're more advanced, they'll just tell you what pose. So you get to choose. Do you want to just hear poses? Do you want to tell them like left foot goes this way? Make sure the arch, blah, blah, blah. So this is my favorite app. I love that app. <laughs> Isn't it great though, to have something like that, that you look forward to? Yeah. And I download all the little workouts and I'm so excited to like get on my mat and practice. And as a trained dancer, I danced and was very competitive for a really long time. It just stopped being fun and it became that activity I just had to do because it was what I did. And that's no fun. And I actually had kind of the opposite experience. I was running long distances for years and years. And I actually now love dance. I crave it. So I actually, I take a hip hop class once a week and then I take another class called the muse, which is, um, it's almost like a free flow, but it's phenomenal. And it's like, you just feel great. You feel like that's the way your body is supposed to move, you know, when you're doing that kind of activity. Yeah, it's good. It's cool that you mentioned that because I I stopped dancing probably when I was about 16. It took me 14 years to dance again. Like I just had to like remove it. I picked up African dance and I went to classes for almost three years with something I'd never done before. And so it's cool too, to kind of see how you can go back to things and adjust to things and do something different. I mean, African dance, that is is good workout. (laughs) Oh yeah. Although, well, it's funny because the hips and the belly movement, that's why you always like, my heart is... (laughs) I just do my own thing. It's like, I march to my own drummer and like, you know, even especially with like cha-cha and salsa and things like that in the same way. Yeah, totally fun. Back to today's episode in a sec. I've been a Fabletics VIP since September, 2018 and just saved oodles of money on a pair of Pamela shorts, a Hudson seamless bralette, and my new favorite running around town pants, my Kerrigan joggers. If you haven't heard of Fabletics yet, let me give you the Coles Notes version. It's a website with a lot of workout wear for physical activities from the gym and beyond. And the prices are super fair, meaning if what's stopping you from getting out and moving your body is a fresh set of leggings, you can get the leggings and get out there. Fabletics 
Athletics is offering listeners of the podcast an incredible deal you won't want to miss. Get two leggings for only $24. This is a $99 value when you sign up as a VIP. Just go to fabletics.com slash keto to take advantage of this deal now. You'll also receive free shipping on orders over $49 and international shipping is available too. Again, that's fabletics.com slash keto. Unsure of the link? Simply check out today's show notes for all the details. Okay, back to today's episode. So how can beginners begin to incorporate movement into their approach? Because I guess the the preface here is, sounds to me like you kind of need to find maybe a maybe a reason behind the activity that's maybe not focused on weight loss. Cause I think a lot of us are just like, I got to go to the gym to lose weight. I guess my first question to you would be, is that a good enough reason or should there be a reason other than that? If we want to embrace more of an intuitive practice? Yeah. I mean, I think it's very cliche. People always say, you know, find your why behind something like a bigger reason than just, you know, fitting into a bathing suit for a reunion or like, you know, or a vacation or, you know, that kind of thing or a dress for a reunion. But I think that stress relief in today's world is probably one of the biggest reasons to exercise. I mean, it's just so good for kind of getting you back into that parasympathetic mode where you're kind of feeling like rested afterwards. And my, the other thing is that, you know, after exercise, you want to feel either exhilarated or happy versus feeling drained and fatigued and exhausted. So one thing to do, especially for beginners is just to get outside. If you can, I think that is awesome if you can just walk outside even for like 30 minutes a day. And it doesn't have to be a prescribed amount, but I'm only saying 30 minutes because I think that usually after that time, people always feel better. And sometimes it's just feeling like you're part of the world, you know, because when you're inside all day, it's easy to feel like, you know, alone or especially the way people work from home so often now it's, you feel like you're very disconnected. And especially with social media, it's like, you're not actually seeing human beings or, you know, talking to them. So I would say for beginners, if you can get outside for a half hour a day. That's excellent. And just be gentle with yourself. Speak kindly to yourself and, and just keep trying and, and see how you feel and even journal how you feel, you know, especially if you compare how you felt before going outside or working out, like, you know, Oh, I'm not really looking forward to it. And then how do you feel afterwards? Because a lot of time that afterward feeling is what keeps people going back again. Yeah. So true. I wish you were just saying that. And I've been like recording nonstop episodes for like two days and the outside is like right behind me and there's a pool yes. out there and there's like loungers out there. And I'm like, can I not just go out there and record? I keep looking behind me and I'm like, that looks so good right now. It's amazing what outdoors can do. Like even just putting your feet on the grass. Yes. Oh. And getting grounded. Oh, yeah. that's my favorite. And even that morning light, I find like in the early morning, like when you're watching the sunrise while you're walking or, you know, for me, it's morning is better than evening, but some people love like taking a sunset walk. It's just, it's totally can change your mindset. Yes. There was actually, oh, I can't remember the paper that I read. What is this? Jack Cruz. Are you familiar with Jack? No. Cruz? Um, so he does a lot of like light therapy stuff where he talks about how getting out in the morning, right as the sun is rising and getting into the Phoenix pose. Like if you know what Phoenix pose is, yes. yoga, and just not staring at the sun, but looking like close ish to the sun. That's the most powerful thing you could do in the morning because humans are very much like plants and we require different types of light depending on the day and our, our energy requirements. And that light is like the best light and that pose, getting that energy in your eyes and your eyes are what soak up 
that energy. Right. So it's really cool. I think I'm going to try that. Sure. I, yeah. you know, I, I think too, the, um, that morning light really helps to set your circadian rhythm and you actually sleep so much better at night when you get that early morning light. And it's so different than what we get, you know, when we're in rooms with fluorescent lights or staring at our phones with all that blue light coming in. So it makes a huge difference. It sounds like a lot of what we're talking about is just finding enjoyment out of movement. And a lot of us, myself included, have gone toward food for enjoyment or nurturing or when we're feeling lonely. How can we find practices outside of food to bring us enjoyment? Like we've talked about movement, but are there other things that we can do to find joy in our lives? I think hobbies are probably the number one thing, you know, hobbies and then spending time with people that you care about. You know, they say that you're most influenced by the five people that you spend the most time around. So really just looking, I have, I have clients oftentimes just examine their lives and take a step back. And even if they need to jot down who they're around the most during the day, because sometimes you don't have control over that. You know, you might have coworkers that you work with that are, you know, somewhat toxic in the sense of like always complaining or being negative and kind of you pick up on that energy. So it, the more that you can surround yourself with people that lift you up and light you up and are positive, I think the better. And that again, will trickle down into every aspect of your life. I mean, if you're around toxic people all day, the chances of you making somewhat poor food choices is so much higher than if you're with, you know, laughing with a group of friends, you're probably going to make a better choice because you're feeling good in that moment. So I think spending time with people that you care about, and then finding a hobby that has nothing to do with food. So not a cooking class, you know, nothing like that, but something like a crafting class or something that maybe doesn't even involve any movement. So again, taking it away from both food and exercise, something that's just completely neutral. You know, I think that can be really helpful because it's something that you can go to in those moments when you feel bored or stressed instead of turning to food. Yes, that's something that I noticed as well for my own just healing experience, surrounding myself with good people, um, because you learn so much from people without even knowing that you are. And just having that supportive network, even if it's one or two friends, as opposed to 20 friends that don't make you feel good, that can be a difficult thing and does take time. I think overall, it's probably taken me four years to get out those toxic relationships that just weren't serving me anymore. I think that that's such a really good tip. And I think also like we were chatting about enjoyment and I asked you about non-food stuff, but I think that there's a lot of shame around using food as comfort. What is your thought on consciously, I don't want to say consciously emotionally eating, but maybe that's what it is of like consciously using food to nourish your emotions in the moment. What are your feelings around that? I, you know, I think that's fine every once in a while. I think just being mindful of, okay, is it happening every day that I'm having a difficult day at work and then I'm coming home and having, you know, a pint of ice cream because it makes me feel good in that moment. You know, and I think just that awareness is, is so key because then you can start to think, okay, is this really making me feel good past that moment? You know, so yes, I feel good for five minutes, but then I'm still left with that uncomfortable feeling of disliking my job or something like that. So kind of looking at other ways to deal with it, maybe in addition to food, and then you can slowly gravitate away from using food as a comfort and then going to those other sources like calling a friend or going for a walk. Because when you have those tools, then you can make better decisions in the future. And I think, you know, food is not just fuel. It's also enjoyment. It's also to be celebrated. So I'm, I'm totally for that. I think that food has so many purposes and it's so connected with 
emotions just because that's, that's who we are. I mean, we're emotional people. So yeah, food, using food for enjoyment every once in a while, or as a comfort every once in a while is not a big deal at all. And I think people shouldn't guilt themselves for it. Cause I, I think that's what I see a lot is people really kind of shaming themselves. I think that when we can make food not a non-moral issue, you know, and take away the judgment, it softens things up a bit. I completely agree with you. I would say overall, now that I have a better relationship with food and my body, I do emotionally nurture myself with food like sometimes, but it's pretty rare. Whereas before when I didn't have a very good relationship with it, it was quite often because there was, there was so much shame. And every time I did it, I felt shame. And then I wanted to feel better. So I ate more food and it's this vicious cycle where nobody's winning. Right. I completely agree. Back to today's episode in a sec. ButcherBox features 100% grass-fed and finished heritage-bred pork and organic free-range chicken. ButcherBox sends you high-quality, health-promoting meats directly to your door on dry ice and free shipping anywhere in the lower 48. ButcherBox makes committing to quality protein sources less expensive and more available to everyone. Their prices are hard to beat, and it's challenging to find a higher quality product anywhere in the USA. I've been using ButcherBox for years and love the convenience of a package showing up just when I need it, and their ground sausage is an absolute dream. ButcherBox has put together a super special deal for all listeners of the show. Order your first box and get a special gift plus an additional $20 off. Now, this special gift is so epic that I can't even mention it on the episode today. So you'll have to go to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to check out the deal plus get your $20 off your very first order. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash keto diet to check out the deal plus get $20 off your first order. If you're unsure of the link, simply check out today's show notes for all the details. Okay, back to today's episode. Okay, real food treats. It's something that you do. Tell me about real food treats and kind of what your favorite ones are. I'd say right now they're um, mehul or mejul dates. I love those. So I put those in salads all the time. I love chickpeas. Some of the higher carb things. I love Japanese sweet potatoes. I bake those all the time. So I just, I mean, I go with what sounds good. It's like, I tend to, I shop now generally once a week, I'll go to Whole Foods and I'll just stop by. And I mean, I don't, it's, it's still pretty expensive. It's gotten a lot more reasonable now that's acquired by Amazon, but I will go there and just kind of hunt around and see like, what, what sounds good. And even if it doesn't fit the like keto template, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, it's all part of just eating what you enjoy. And if you want to make something more keto, just, you know, have some more fat or have some more protein, you know, and then minimize the carbohydrates. But I think that, I guess I feel like all foods can fit as provided that they're real foods. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think the wrong question to ask is, is it keto? (laughs) Yes. Because like anything can really be keto and it's not like, ah, I was sharing a picture of carrot sticks the other day and I had carrot sticks drizzled with like this dairy-free cheese and ranch dressing. And somebody said, that's not keto. And then I calculated out the macros just for fun. It's taking way too long. And I'm like, dude, it's 80% fat. Like what's like, no, it's not about if carrots or medjool dates or keto or not. It's really, and it's also about your um, sensitivity to carbohydrates. I can handle a lot more carbohydrates now than I could when I first started keto. Was that your experience as well? Yeah. You know, when I first started, I was eating, I would say doing like eggs and sausage in the morning and things like that. But I found after a while, I was just, it wasn't getting bored of it. I just 
didn't enjoy it. And I, I felt like there were other things I wanted to try. And then when I did, it was interesting because sometimes I would try these things that I thought I wanted, like, oh, I really want this granola. And I would try it and like, ah, it's just, you know, so, so. So sometimes I think that, yeah, we do need that kind of jumpstart at the beginning, but then you do, you find you have much, a much higher tolerance for, for carbohydrates, and especially if you're doing a lot of glycolytic activity, you know, and, and you're active, you need that. Mm-hmm. Completely. Amazing. What do you feel is missing in the keto space right now for women? More education for healthcare practitioners. So I actually feel like I would love to have a program for MDs to train them about keto because I think there's so much misinformation. And a lot of my clients have, you know, I know people tell their doctors like, oh, I'm doing keto. And then they kind of get this pushback just because the doctor doesn't necessarily know or they associate it um, mistakenly with, you know, ketoacidosis. And so they're kind of, the client becomes conflicted, like, oh, what do I follow? You know, and, and I think that if there was more education and training in medical schools on nutrition, that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Oh man. I totally agree with you. And I think that's the way it's going. I mean, I really, really do. Yeah. Well, I studied nutrition back in 2007 and just for, for giggles, I went back and looked at my books once I found keto and there was only like one line in my entire education on keto. And it said, ketogenic diet equals ketoacidosis dangerous. (gasps) Don't do it. That was the story. Okay. I mean, that was in 2007. A lot of things have changed, but I was just like, really? I mean, unbelievable. That is just crazy. I totally. And even, I mean, even nutrition training in general, there is so little time spent on nutrition when nutrition is really the thing that moves the needle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much work to be done and that's why we do the work that we do because it spreads like wildfire and there are a lot of humans ready for this message. So that's why we do this. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I are, are like birds of a feather. I mean, it's like it's it's basically my passion project to be able to serve a larger community. And it's, you know, people feel so good when they're nourishing themselves, you know, and not just in terms of the foods they're eating, but in terms of that movement, in terms of just having a strong community, getting away from social media, turning the phone off earlier at night, you know, all of those things together, it's like you end up having a life-changing transformation and feeling amazing. And I think if if we can get that message out there, it really can only do good. I completely agree. Where can people find more from you, Brooke? BrookeJoanna.com. So it's B-R-O-O-K-E-J-O-A-N-N-A.com. Or I'm on Instagram at BrookeJoanna. Perfect. We will include all those links in the show notes in case people are like a Brooke a what up? Then you can look there <laughs> and find them. And Brooke, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Leanne. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.